everybody, and welcome back to Opera Offstage. I'm Jesse, And I'm Michelle. And since things are starting to open up again and people are now looking for work again, we thought today we would talk about jobs and side gigs that pair well with being a musician. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, we wanted to just say thank you guys for all the love you showed our little mini-sodes last week. We were so excited that you guys really got into it because that episode was a lot of fun to make. Yeah, we love recording our mini-sodes. They're so fun. We got a couple of new people to jump on the Patreon game, which is awesome. Thank you so much to our new subscribers. It literally makes us so happy we could cry. So if you liked our mini-sode content, you can get, you know, more mini-sodes for as little as $2 a month and a whole lot of other cool benefits. So check out our Patreon. Side note. Yeah. And also, one more fun little thing. We have been asking you guys, of course, to go on our podcast and go onto the podcast app and give us a review. <laughs> and someone decided they they were not about it. And so we got our first one-star review, which in and of itself is actually kind of exciting. Like, when, when we saw it, we were all in the group chat being, like, speculative about why it happened. Because it came... We got it originally, like, right around our jazz episode, so we wondered if we had really upset a jazz musician with our coverage. I love it, because this person who left us a one-star review did not, like, leave any comments. No. And so we were like, ooh, we upset them so much as to go out of their way to open the Apple Podcast app and give us a one-star review, but not tell us why. (laughs) It's so mysterious, you know? We have a working theory about why it happened, but it isn't, it's not a big deal. It's kind of flattering in its own way because somebody was so moved by whatever we did <laughs> to go all out of their way to give us the one-star review. But if yeah, you like as- our podcast and we haven't somehow done something to malign you, if you would go on the podcast app and give us a review and write us a little note, we'd love to see it. <laughs> Yeah, as you can tell, we're not broken up over this one star. If anything, it was very amusing. But if you oh, want yeah. to help us bury this one star, <laughs> please leave us. We really hit a new milestone. Yeah, but you know, also, if you think we're a one star podcast, please tell us why, because we would love to be better. And we would love to do like yeah. a corrections corner if there's actually something that we've done that has been heinous, which I, I don't true. think that we covered anything heinous in our jazz episode so i really do just like to think that there's some jazz musician out there who's like these dummies don't know the first thing about jazz well one star for you so they would also kind of be (laughs) correct on that point but (laughs) but yeah if you do ever have something that you you want to correct us on or talk to us about you can always shoot us a message we're always happy to talk about it and we don't mind doing a corrections corner this part of life i would love to do a corrections corner i would love to be corrected yeah. <laughs> so now into a bit of the meat of our episode. Uh, you know, things really are opening up again. I recently just went back to work bartending. I'm so happy to be back at work, honestly. But as everyone's getting vaccinated, and please, please get vaccinated if you can, we're all we're all headed back to work, and that does leave us with the question of like, what jobs can we do that work well with continuing to pursue music? Because it's not an easy thing to balance. Yeah, so whether you're looking to get kind of like a, 
you know, corporate W-2 type job or looking to just kind of do something on the side as a side gig, we're ready to walk you through kind of the pros and cons of different types of jobs and different types of jobs that we've had and have found success in and kind of give you the ins and outs. So before we jump into specific types of jobs, I think if you're looking for a temporary job or a good side gig, some of the things that you should definitely look out for as a musician is, are they flexible? Do they at least have somewhat steady income? Do you get benefits? And, you know, if you stay with the company for long enough, are you able to get benefits? And if you're a vocalist, you know, is it a job that requires you to be using your voice a ton? Will you have to be talking over a crowd? Is, you know, vocal fatigue going to be part of your job? And how do you manage that? And then also, are you able to travel? Is it a remote job? What does time off look like? So all things to keep in mind as you're looking for a good side gig. Yeah, you want probably, you know, at least three of those things to be going on. It's very rare that you're really going to get all of those points, but you really, and you'll have to decide, you know what's right for you on which of those are going to be the most important. And that might change over time. But why don't we talk a little bit first about the jobs we personally have, the spheres that we currently work in. So Michelle, you want to tell them a little bit about your job? Yeah, so I mostly have an experience in working retail. I had the absolute distinct pleasure for working at a Disney store through out undergrad. And that was such a fun job. If you randomly have a Disney store near you and you want to get on that train, I will tell you that it is so fun and completely built for performers. But regardless, um, I have a lot of experience in retail, both as just a worker and as a like store partner slash manager. And some of the things that I've really noticed is obviously one of the biggest benefits from working in retail is that you have pretty stable income. Most retail workers have their kind of paycheck you know, tied to their hours that they can predict every week and they know when they're going to be paid either every week or every other week. So it's really, really easy to kind of predict how much money you have and therefore budget accordingly. And if you're on commission or, you know, have some sort of added element, that's really cool too. But I will say definitely one of the things that will catch you is they often can be less flexible, especially if you're a manager or higher up. Yeah. That is one of the issues with retail, which is like the higher you are, the less it's necessarily going to fit your needs. So it doesn't leave you a lot of room for growth. It doesn't leave you a ton of room for growth. And, you know, obviously, if you have a higher up position, if you're a manager, then and you're looking or are a person that changes locations frequently, retail might not be the sphere for you. But, you know, if you are a manager, sometimes you are granted more paid time off, which can be great for when you need to fly out to do auditions. So it kind of just depends on the company that you are looking to work for. And I will say, here's a little pro tip from all my years in working retail. I was really lucky in that every place I've worked, I've had great bosses who I told right off the bat, like, look, I'm a performer. This is what I want to do for my career. And I'm here basically to make money and have fun and and contribute to your team and help grow your company. But like this is really just kind of secondary. Yeah. And I would highly suggest if you're doing a retail job, like do not be shy about that. You should be honest also about the time and the reasons that you might need extended time off for things like yaps or work travel or gigs. And you should let your management know as far ahead as possible. And if you're a good worker and you add value to their team, 
managers are going to be way more inclined to help, you know, further your career because they believe in you. And let me just tell you, let me just give you some examples. And I don't I don't think that this is just my own charm. I think it's literally just letting your management know and being a good worker. But you guys, when I was working at Disney, I would literally like basically create my schedule and I would get like a month and a half off when I was doing an opera. And my my manager and I would work it out. And I got it off like every single year I was in an opera. And then when I worked at a different retail job, when I was getting my master's, I got over a month off <laughs> during basically like all of December into January because I wanted to travel and go home. And I was like, hey, is this something that I can do? Because I was like singing messiahs and I had like Christmas gigs and I wanted to be home. And I worked it out with my boss and I literally did not work for over a month. And I'm not saying that that's going to be your case in every place. But from my own personal experience, having a good relationship with your manager and being honest about the reasons that you are taking extended time off and making sure that they understand that you know, it's for your career. You're not just like loosey-goosey, just missing work. A lot more managers will be understanding than you would expect. Yeah. And and seriously, be upfront, upfront. I don't mean like reveal it when you finally have something coming up. Go ahead. And when you are joining the team, when you're doing interviews or whatever, just let them know like, hey, I'm a working musician. And that is like a thing that comes up every once in a while. But I will always give you as much heads up as I can. And as long as that stays true, a lot of managers will be willing to work with you. Yeah. I mean, when I would be missing this time off, my managers would know like four months in advance. <laughs> and I'd be like, you can't tell me that we can't come up with some sort of plan if I've given you four months in advance. So just be super straight up. And I'll also say if your performance schedule is just really hectic and that type of you know situation is just not going to fly with the company you're working for, retail might not be the best option, but companies are always hiring seasonally. So if you're traveling to a new city on a contract or something and you just need a part-time job, it's pretty easy to get a retail job and the hiring process is pretty quick. Yeah, there are a lot of options and seasonal work is a really good idea. If you're starting to get a lot more singing work where you're just not going to be in the same place often enough, then seasonal work can be very, very good. I've talked about my job quite a bit, actually, already on the podcast, mostly in passing. But I am a bartender at an airport, <laughs> which is a very unique situation. But what I'm going to do uh, is, and I've I had that job pre-pandemic, and now I'm back at the same job post-pandemic. Uh, not post-pandemic, <laughs> but now. Mid-pandemic. Mid, <laughs> mid-post-vaccination, I'm back at work. <laughs> How about that? But let, uh, let me talk to you guys a little bit about service jobs, because service jobs in like a general sense, like when we talk about the aspects that we said were good for side gigs and things, service jobs have a lot of flexibility. There is a reason that the classic thing for singers and actors is that they work as waiters or waitresses or bartenders. It's pretty good income. Like I make a solid wage. There are slow seasons, but you've got pretty consistent income. You're going to make at least minimum wage, even if you work on a tipped wage. You also can have benefits. Like, if I stay at my job, I will get health and a couple other benefits. Oh, that's pretty neat. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I work for a hospitality company, so it's a bit different. You do talk quite a bit. That is something that you'd have to be aware of. You do talk during your shift. You're taking orders. You're chatting people up. So you do use your voice quite a bit. As long as you do use it healthily, I would say, though, you're going to be fine. Unless you work in a certain place. But I'll get into that in a second. But, but the one thing is, obviously, you can't remo work remotely. That's not, a, that's not a thing with service <laughs> careers. But service careers are especially good because you can get tipped. And you are 
some kind of performer, if you're listening to this podcast probably, and tipped income will absolutely save you. Because you're an entertainer, and that is like number one what makes working in a service job really kind of fun, is that if you can entertain people, if you can get to know them really quickly and everything, you can make really, really good tips. Like I do talk about music a lot with people at the bar and I show them videos of me singing and I sing for them sometimes. It's <laughs> it's a little silly, but it's a lot of fun. Now, as far as like personally, if I had to suggest a service career, because service careers look like a lot of things that so you could be a waiter or a waitress, you could be working in a hotel as like a front desk, or you could be working as a, a bartender. And I would suggest working as a bartender, mostly because I think you make better money and it's less stressful and it's less painful on your feet than being a waitress. And you make better tips than most other service positions. So basically, this episode has become a bartender like Jesse. Exactly. Truly. Like it's <laughs> I I and I will say this. I know some people get nervous because they're like, how do you even become a bartender? I did do a bartending school. A lot of people will tell you not to do that. I did it because I wanted to know what I was doing when I stepped behind a bar and I didn't want to learn on the job because the last thing you want is people watching you making a drink wrong. But a lot of places you can show up and they'll just train you on the job. But I would suggest getting trained outside of it because you are going to be a lot better off if you work high end. And I say that because... You don't want to work in a place with loud music, and you also don't want to be working until 2 a.m., regardless of whether you're what service job you're working at. So I would suggest working high-end because they either only operate in the morning or they only operate in the evening, but not too terribly late. You also make better money, and you won't lose your hearing to loud music. That is a big thing you will have to look out for, is places that blast their music, you're going to be talking louder, and you will possibly lose some of your hearing. And that still goes for restaurants, too. You just have to be aware of the noise level of the places you're in. Because if you're constantly in a kitchen with clanging pots, it will do a number on your hearing. That's where you get those like little like earbud things that lower the decibels, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can, but it does make it harder to hear people. When I did, I occasionally used to cover shifts. <laughs> I used to cover shifts in a, I'll tell a, a, a quick moment. I used to cover shifts in a music venue outside of town every once in a while. And it was really, really great money. However, uh, the 53-year-old bar manager asked me out. And I never went back. He is in my phone as creepy bar guy. <laughs> and uh, as far as he knows, I no longer bartend. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. That's the other reason you're going to want to look for something like I do. Like, I work for a hospitality company. So I work at a couple different bars in the place where I work. And that's a really good gig. Working for a hospitality company, whether it is in a hotel or it is in an airport or it's in some kind of place like that. The best thing about that is that is why I can get benefits. Like, it's a larger company than just a restaurant. So I do suggest looking for larger hospitality companies to work for. The other thing that's really good about it in terms of like flexibility, it's pretty easy to get people to cover shifts. I am also very straight up with my managers. I told them many times, I was like, I work as a musician and like music is my main thing. I was actually interviewing for another job within the company and they asked, what's your big, like, what's your goal? And they were definitely expecting me to talk about beer because that's what the job was about. And I was like, to do opera. <laughs> I was just I love straight it. up with them. We love an honest queen. Yeah, I was like, I like my job and I love doing it, but I'll be honest with you. Like, my goal has always been to use my degree and and to keep doing the work I love to do. So. And who can argue with that? Yeah. But, like, I also cover bunches of shifts for people when they 
when they're out or when they've got childcare issues. So it's pretty easy for me to get someone to cover a shift if I really need it. Or I give my manager a heads up like, hey, I'm not going to be able to make this shift and they will find me somebody to cover. It's a very good job for flexibility. You can also disappear for chunks of time and come back. There are always places that need bartenders or need waitresses. There is a service career in every city in America. So no matter where you are or where you're going, you'll be able to take this job and find another one with similar skills. And like I said, if you work for a hospitality company or a nicer restaurant, you can get healthcare or vacation time. You'd want to look for either really high end or a chain or one owned by a hospitality company if you're really looking to get benefits. And I will say, like I said, getting extra training is worth it. Bartender training, sommelier training. I have Cicerone training, which is the beer version of sommelier. All of those will allow you to work in nicer restaurants, which will give you better tips and better hours. And like I said, you're less likely to be, you know, run through the mill. You're less replaceable, which is nice. And it can keep you from running yourself ragged because the thing that you should know about service careers is they do take a real toll on your body. You have to be super careful when you're on your feet for 10 hours a day. You have to be super careful with your voice and your back because you can build a lot of tension, neck, arms, back. That is the real downside, I think, to service careers is less any of the other stuff and more the physical toll it takes because if I don't take care of myself and rest and do all of that, I really can't work on my music because I'm so physically tired. But like I said, you can make killer killer money in service careers it is a great way to build up a savings i'm convinced <laughs> catch <Yeah>. me <laughs> yeah going through bartending school <laughs> just kidding i would be an awful bartender no one wants me to be a bartender for <laughs> michelle does not drink uh at all and no. so it would be very funny for people to ask you like what do you recommend and you'd be like you would just have to turn them and be like i don't I don't recommend. Have you ever heard of a special cocktail called a Shirley Temple? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I gotta tell you, people do ask me for, like, weird drinks all the time, or they use terms that I don't know. And it happens behind the bar. There are some drinks that you just don't get very often. And so a lot of times I'll just ask them, but sometimes if it's a drink I know I should know, I just am like, yeah, let me get that. And I walk around the corner and I pull out my phone and I look up the recipe. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. They don't need to know. Service jobs are definitely like a classic artist career for a reason. You can make great money, lots of flexibility. Just got to be careful. Try and work in those higher end restaurants. Go through the extra training. It'll cost you a little bit of money, but you'll make a lot more money in return. Definitely. Yeah, service jobs yeah. are awesome. Well, we would also be completely remiss if we didn't talk about probably one of the most classic jobs for musicians, which is becoming a music teacher. Or yeah. Now, Michelle has done a little bit of teaching. I have done less teaching. <laughs> Listen, you guys, but outside of service jobs, I've basically also done all of these jobs. So <laughs> let me tell you about it. Yeah, I have some teaching experience. It's super fun. As you know, many musicians will turn to teaching as a form of income. And, you know, if you were able to build a large studio, it actually can really be great money depending on where you live. Um, so depending on the average cost of, you know, a 30 minute you know, 60-minute lesson, it can actually be pretty good money. Yeah. I would say that is, like, the biggest thing that you really have to figure out when you start your own studio, though, is how much you're going to charge. And all I have to say about that is, like, don't undercharge. Don't undercharge because you can never raise the price. You can always lower it. You can't raise it. Oh, my gosh. And don't... You really need to consider what you are willing to give away for free. 
because there is kind of this pressure of like, oh, does my student need to get their own music? Do they need to pay for it? Or am I supposed to like, you know, provide it as a teacher? Make your student pay for it. Also, a lot of people will do like free trial lessons. Maybe you shouldn't do that (laughs) because you're still putting in all of the effort and they could flake on you and then it literally was just a waste of your time. You don't have to charge like for a full lesson, but you can charge like 50% um, or even use it as a credit towards their first lesson. So just, I don't know, sometimes in teaching positions, we kind of feel like weird about asking to be paid for our job and that's totally backwards. Like I said, it totally depends on the average amount of money that your kind of like local community of voice teachers are used to charging. Yeah, look around you. Yeah. For example, like for me, the average was kind of around $50 per each half hour. And so when I started as like an introductory teacher, like had just kind of taught on and off, I charged 40 because I didn't have like a ton of experience. And as I built my studio, like, I mean, $40 per half hour is pretty good for me. (laughs) When you have multiple students, like that's that's pretty good. But like I said, totally depends on where you live. And then there's also the, you know, pros and cons to either joining an established studio or starting your own. Yeah, but I would say 40 to 50 per half hour is pretty standard for someone in or who already has their master's like I would I don't think you would ever charge less than that yeah yeah totally especially if you live anywhere near a bigger city or a kind of you know well-off suburb that's kind of the average yeah if you've just got your bachelor's then you can kind of finagle around like what you think but if you're in your master's or you've got your master's I'm just telling you yeah if you're in a very small town that you may have to adjust to like what the area is willing to pay but don't undervalue yourself. I cannot overstate that. Yeah. And also just like don't pull out your own rate like out of your butt. Like do the market do research, research to connect. Yeah. Absolutely. Do not just like randomly pick a number because you will almost uh, always be overcharging or undercharging. And like Jesse said, you can never move your rate up. It's so hard. So just start off with what you feel comfortable and hope for the best. But (laughs) in terms of joining a studio versus starting your own, if you're going to join an established music studio, just know that they will take a cut of your pay. But the trade-off is that you're guaranteed students. So they take a lot of the marketing responsibilities. Usually they already have an established clientele and you're just stepping in to help teach. And they are usually almost always proactive about finding new students. So if you're somebody who's like, I really struggle with marketing or like networking, then that might be a better fit for you. And they usually offer a practice space. And the other nice thing that any voice teacher will tell you is an absolute nightmare to handle yourself is usually your studio will handle collecting payment, which is an absolute godsend. I've worked with a studio and run my own, and I will always tell you that getting a check from my studio job was so nice because I didn't have to deal with the parents about late fees and all that. They knew that when they signed their contract to start studying with the studio. Yeah, when there's, and that's the thing, even if you are doing your own studio, like write up a contract, no, it's not going to be as legally binding as what the studio might, like what another fuller studio might do. But just have put it in writing and have them sign it so that they know that they're going to be paying late fees so that expectations are laid out. That is step number one. 100%. If you do not have a studio policy and you're a voice teacher, I was going to say you're not a voice teacher. That's false. But like you are not running your studio correctly. You absolutely need a studio policy 100% because parents love to screw you over. 
Oh, they yeah. love to screw you over. It doesn't even matter if you have a great relationship with this parent and you've been teaching their kid for God knows how long. Like, they will pull something eventually. <laughs> so you need a studio policy to protect yourself. I mean, it's worse. A lot of the first people you work with are probably going to be people you already know through some other venue. You know, church, school, whatever. Friends of your parents. <laughs> Those are the first kids you'll probably end up teaching, which means they very much feel like they can get away with it. Yep. Have them sign it. You have to have all your expectations, late fees, cancellation policy lined out from the get-go. Always go over that with the student and the parent at the first lesson. Um, honestly, at the trial lesson, if they do a trial lesson, and make sure you're on the same page from the get-go. And if the vibes are bad at the trial lesson, the vibes will only get worse. <laughs> so proceed with caution. And then on the flip side, starting your own studio, obviously you get to keep the pay. You don't always get it as like a, you know, 1099. So you need to kind of keep that tax and financial information straight on your end. But then also, even though you get to keep the full pay, you also pay for the costs yourself, which means are you renting a studio space? Are you doing it out of your house? Are you driving to people? Do you need to account for gas in your prices? And I will also say that it can be really difficult to get enough students to where it truly becomes a profitable gig. Um, so just know you're going to have to exercise your marketing skills to get you to a point where you're making like pretty good money. Yeah. I would also say like you need to be aware that you're going to need to communicate with these people when you do leave town, when you're going to be gone. A lot of people you're going to be working with week after week. So if you're going to be gone for a month, you need to give everyone a heads up. You might want to know some other teachers. This is the other benefit of working in a larger studio is that you can pass them off to another teacher for that month if that's okay with the studio. But also, you're going to be using your voice a lot. Yep. And you can try to not. You can work on your piano skills and try and, and avoid singing. But the reality is a lot of time we demonstrate by doing and by showing them what we're doing. So just be aware that like you may want to put a hard cap on how many people you work with because that's hours of vocal work per week. And everyone knows there is just an upper limit of what you're going to be able to do. Yeah. I will also say that another really good plus to teaching is that you obviously can set the days and the hours that you work. So if you are, you know, under a contract or have a second job even, you can make sure that your teaching job works with your other job or your other gigs. So a lot of teachers will do stuff like after school to a certain amount of time so that they can go to rehearsal and not have to worry about, you know, working a retail job or a service job where they might have to be scheduled during those hours. So it can work out well. I will also say that if you are able, like, just pack certain days in the week and then leave other days fully free to do music and be really strict about the days that you decide to work because, you know, life happens and your students will have um, times where they can't make it to their lesson and they're going to beg you to have it on a day that you don't normally work and you just need to kind of decide whether or not it's worth budging. So yeah, that is, I think you can definitely make the schedule you want to have. It's going to suck and feel awful to charge people for lessons they didn't show up for, but you need to do it because it will happen. And people need to respect your time. <laughs> mm -hmm. So just know. Yeah. And then tangential to teaching is working in, in administration jobs, especially inside of a music school. Um, this can be an awesome job to have while you're still in school uh, to gain experience, especially if kind of music admin uh, is something that's interesting to you. And obviously that has a ton of transferable skills. So it really is an awesome job to have. The only problem is while you're 
working it in school, they usually do not pay well. No, you're going to be paid work study probably, which means there's also like an upper limit of how much you can work. Yeah, it's not going to be the most amazing job. It is definitely an investment in gaining experience. But the nice thing is, you know, for sure, it will be flexible with your school schedule, which is always a really big plus if you just don't want to deal with something like retail. But I will also say that if you're working at a school, they usually give you access to university resources after you graduate. And some schools actually give you credits that you can use and you can continue to take classes even after you've graduated, which is really cool. But it's definitely a means to an end. If you're working it while you're in school, it's not going to be the greatest pay, but you can use those skills at a different admin job or even a higher up position at the school that you work at. And those usually do pay well and usually come with benefits. Yeah. Well, and if you decide after you finish your schooling that you're going to work in an administrative position at a university, it can also give you a lot of access to resources that you wouldn't have not being in school anymore. So it can be pretty helpful. I will say for both of these, though, both for the voice teaching and the administration. Obviously, there are administrative jobs that are outside of music, but we're kind of talking about music school. Be aware of the toll it can take on you to be constantly around music. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I love it and, and all of that, but I personally really enjoy working outside of music as my side gig because it gives me a bit of a mental break, and it means I get to talk to very, like, people who work in a lot of different fields about music, which is kind of a, it's a nice break from talking just to other musicians. So, Everyone's different. Some people love to be constantly immersed. Some people need a little bit of a break. It's good to figure out which of those suits you. Totally. 100%. Our next category uh, of of jobs, and these are very well and truly what I would consider side gigs as opposed to full-time jobs. They are our work-when-you-want jobs. These are the jobs where you truly have, like, full ability to plan your own schedule. So we're talking about things like Uber and Lyft and babysitting, tutoring, freelance. We'll get into the nitty gritty of it, but these are the most flexible jobs because you are really working on your own. Most of these jobs, you don't have a boss or anyone. You're just getting your paycheck directly from somebody. But the problem with it is it's really going to be some of your least steady income because a lot of them depend on just what people need, people around you need. There are almost certainly no benefits to almost any of these And vocally, it kind of depends job to job how much it's going to take out of you. But you definitely can travel with most of these. So the most popular of these, and I know a lot of musicians who do this, is driving for Uber and Lyft, which can be really, really good if you have like a decent car and you live in a city. Even if you're in school, if you've got hours between classes or maybe you want to drive on the weekends, that can be super, super helpful for picking up some extra money. However, you are you are going to put a lot of miles on your car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to kind of trust that people are going to be respectful about keeping your car clean. Because if you're driving during, you know, party hours down near the bars in your town, you know that you might be picking up people who might be a little sick. Mm-hmm. So this one I think is also a little trickier for women to pull off. Just as safety issues, unfortunately. That's not to say that you shouldn't if you don't want to, but I'm saying depending on where you live, it can be tricky. Yeah. But it is truly a a do whatever you want. If you want the other version of this, though, you can also run food. You can do Uber Eats or uh, Grubhub, which is, I think, a little bit easier because people aren't in your car. <laughs> yeah. This is such a t- side tangent, but I love all those memes of like screenshots of people texting their Uber Eats like or Grubhub people and it's like, 
eight burger tasty <laughs> of these people just like eating their food i don't know why that is like such a level of humor that absolutely destroys me that's um, incredible and i will make sure to do that next time <laughs> Yeah, another good example is dog walking. You can sign up for things like Rover and WAG, house sitting, babysitting, offering some sort of like child care. Those can definitely pay really well. The trade-off is whether or not you want to work for a child. Um, (laughs) And you will be working for a child. I know a lot of people who nanny, though. Yeah, exactly. And it can be pretty good money, especially, you know, obviously if you're babysitting the kid of like really well-off parents i i've had some friends who are who do nannying and will go on like full-blown vacations with true families and that's the dream but not the norm but babysitting can definitely be good the only thing is the hours on that are not always super flexible you can't be missing for long periods of time um, because somebody's gonna watch these kids yeah and if you have rehearsals if you have rehearsals in the evenings, that can be very tricky because a lot of babysitting is obviously done in the evening when parents want a night off, which is why nannying positions can sometimes be better because nannying is usually more of a daytime position. Mm-hmm. Usually it's people who have kids at home who also work from home or things like that. But yeah, that's definitely something to consider about like, what are you going to do a little trickier? Tutoring can be a really, really good gig. And I would totally suggest if you got really good SAT, ACT scores, go and tutor that stuff. Ooh, baby. People pay really, really well for that kind of thing. And they're always looking for more people to tutor in ACT, SAT. And I think that's a lot easier than trying to adjust to everyone's individual classes. But yeah, I mean, if you're good in any subject, if you're really good at math or you're really good at English or, you know, science or whatever, definitely, definitely look into that. I say SAT, ACT because I know every one of you took at least one of those probably whereas a lot of times we're with tutors they're going to be looking pe- for people with college level experience in some of those fields so like science you won't always be able to do or math but some people are just looking for someone to tutor their kids in algebra so it depends if you feel comfortable doing that it's a really great gig people pay really well and it can be it can be pretty easy honestly <laughs> it's a nice gig yeah i had this one friend in grad school who was a math teacher and music teacher and she just worked at two different studios and i thought that that was the coolest thing ever and she made great money from both so it's pretty cool yeah so those are definitely work when you want type jobs and we love them for the flexibility and we don't love them for the sometimes unsteady income our kind of last category of jobs that are great for musicians are work from home jobs and this can be you know anything from having your own business to working, you know, online, whether that be social media or coding or, you know, being an ESL teacher, like there's so many different things that could fall under this work from home category or working in, you know, customer service. These jobs are usually pretty flexible, but they require a lot of time to build up a clientele unless you're working for a company remotely, which means, you know, traveling's pretty easy, but a lot of these jobs will obviously require super stable and reliable internet and an environment conducive to working which is you know from the pandemic we all know is actually kind of a lot to ask for apparently yeah 
And and anytime you're going to be running something on your own, just like the voice studio, like it's a lot of work because it's not just doing the job. It's also advertising and it's also taking care of billing. Like there are lots of little moving parts to doing any kind of freelance work. Like it is always going to be a ton of ton of work. So just be prepared for how much will go into taking care of all of those minute parts. Because part of the benefit of working for a company is like you really work you clock in, you clock out, you you get paid. <laughs> when you run your own, when you're freelancing, you're in charge of billing. You're in charge of making sure your taxes are paid properly. You're in charge of making sure things get delivered and emails get answered. Like, you're in charge of all of it, all of a sudden. Yeah, and it's super rewarding once it starts to take off and you see some success. So it can definitely be the right move for a lot of people, but just know, like, the initial time and effort and money that you have to invest to get it off the ground is no joke. And I will say one other thing because I've done freelance social media work. This is becoming and has been very popular and it's pretty easy to understand why. But let me just tell you that if you don't love social media, you do not want to work in social media because it is a 24-7 job. There are no set hours. You will be on your phone and on the computer 24-7. So just know that. I'm truly blessed to have Michelle running the social media <laughs> so I do not have to. I think I posted on my Instagram twice in the last year. So <laughs> if that gives you any idea yeah. of my vibe with social media. But yeah, just know know what you can really handle because these will be jobs and and you will feel like you do about your job. <laughs> the ESL thing, the ESL teacher, it's very popular, but just know that like you have to do a training for it. You're not guaranteed classes, so you do have to um, work pretty hard to to gain customers. And you'll also be talking a lot because part of how they learn is with you speaking with the kids, whether that's a full class or it's a one-on-one. There are lots of different groups for this. Make sure you kind of know somebody who already works for one of them because some of the companies who do the English second language online can be a little sketchy. So just know that going into it. Another one which is really flexible and really good and you can do it remote is customer service work. You know, groups like Amazon and all of that are constantly hiring people to run their phones for customer service, which can be super helpful. But once again, you need a super stable internet connection and you're going to be working with people who have had something go wrong. So people are going to be yelling at you every once in a while. And you've also got to talk quite a bit on the phone. So just be prepared for all of those things if you do it. But those can be really flexible, good jobs if you really, really need that flexibility. There is one genre of work from home job that I'm going to warn you about. Dum bum bum. <laughs> Recently, we have had a major issue in one of our alumni groups with somebody reaching out and trying to get people to sign up for an MLM. If you don't know what an MLM is, it is a multi-level marketing scheme. It is a very vaguely legal version of a pyramid scheme. It's also called network marketing when people are trying to be fancy and pretend that they're not scamming you. <laughs> Uh, Multi-level marketing or a pyramid scheme uh, is defined as someone who realistically makes money not by selling a product but by signing people up under them to sell product because those people will buy from them and then they try to sell and the more people you have under you trying to sell the more money you make because you make a cut from the people you sign up. Now I'm not going to name these companies but you know them. They sell healthcare products or they sell essential oils or they sell 
knives or they sell makeup. There are tons and tons of them. So if you want to know, you can always look up lists of multi-level marketing schemes. There are plenty of them. They are not consistent in income. There are no benefits to them. They will eat up tons and tons of your free time. They require a large initial investment. You will have to drop a lot of money because you will have to buy your own product as if you owned a store. They have a lot of weird and sketchy health claims, which is one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, And they will turn your social media into a sales page because the way network marketing works is you largely sell to your friends and you operate mostly on a system of guilt Mm -hmm. by guilting your friends into feeling bad for you. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't do these. Don't do them. You will lose money. Almost everyone loses money. Go onto their pages and look up because they are required to release the information about how much money everyone in the company makes. There are very few people making anything close to a livable wage. You will lose tons of money buying product that you cannot move. You will lose friends because you are trying to sell them something constantly. You will constantly be social media marketing. But these are scams. Like plain and simple, these are scams. And one of your friends may swear up and down that they have made a ton of money off of it and that they've made so many friends out of it. They are in a cult. (laughs) Truly, that's how these operate. They take advantage of people who need money. They take advantage of people who are lonely because we're all post-college and suddenly it's a lot harder to get to know people. When you become an adult and you're no longer in those social groups, these thrive, especially because they target women largely. They thrive on grabbing people and giving them a sense of belonging and taking their money. Yeah, the thing that like really just rubs me in the absolute worst way is the weird health claims. Like this industry absolutely thrives off of body shaming. They thrive off of, you know, audience and user ignorance. It's just absolutely bonkers to me that people like get into this. And it's really honestly quite sad because they do target a lot of people who really do need to be making money and need a flexible schedule. So they target a lot of moms. They definitely target um, musicians. And so it's just a really, really bad. Yep. It's a bad trap to get in. Yeah. And I I swear to you, like it, it, they are pretty much all scams. I have yet to see one where truly people are consistently making money. It, It, And if you are making money, you're making money off of the fact that you've scammed people below you who are also now trying to move product. It is a terrible way to live. So don't do it. So please, please, I beg of you, don't do it. And if you want more information from people who know more about it than I do, there is a podcast called The Dream Podcast where they they break down a lot of the MLM schemes. There's also an excellent John Oliver episode from last week tonight where he goes into it. It should be up on YouTube. So look up John Oliver MLMs and he gets into the nitty gritty of like how much money these people have lost trying to invest in something because they really do push that like you'll work from home. You'll make your own hours. Boss babes like they really do try to make you feel like you're going to be really owning your own life. And it's not true. You are going to go into debt trying to do this and you are going to lose the people in your life because part of the whole scheme is that they become the only thing in your life. These people, this essentially once again a cult so i beg of you if you see a multi-level marketing scheme even if it's your best friend asking you to join it or to go to one of those weird parties where they sell you things don't do it just don't do it no never do it there are better jobs there are easier jobs and there are better things to invest your time and money in i promise so 
now that we've got that out of the way and I've given you the best warning that I can, <laughs> do know that like there are tons and tons of jobs that will pair well with music. And a lot of it is going to take a little bit of, you know, a little bit of work and figuring out what works best for you. I always thought I would be better off in like an admin career and it turns out service work, service work is not the way to say that I don't feel like, but service work <laughs> worked out a lot better for me, made me a lot happier. I really do truly enjoy my job and even on my bad days, my bad days are not that bad. So go out, try some new jobs. If you've got a really cool job that we didn't mention here, please talk to us about it. We'd love to uh, know more about what you guys do as your side gigs or your jobs. We're really interested to find out what everyone's been up to. And if you want to talk to us about those things, you can always DM us on Instagram. You can talk to us on our Discord, which you can get to through our Instagram bio. Or you can talk to us on Twitter or Facebook. Those are all at Opera Offstage. We also have a contact page on our website, which is opera-offstage.com. So yeah, please reach out to us. Talk to us. If you have any questions about the jobs Michelle and I have held while we've been in music, we're always happy to uh, answer your questions. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.